Close the Curtain podcast is an audio platform created to educate, entertain, and inspire women to live their best lives while they close the curtain on things that no longer serve them. We bond over wine or the drink of your choice while sharing many laughs, loves, and sometimes even tears. While this show features our opinions, it should not take the place of you seeking professional healthcare advice. Please buckle up and enjoy the show. I fly United, I fly first class. I make them close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering going back and close. It's so hot, we can't breathe. Please close the curtain, I can't take it. I only have one of them great. I can't help them all, please. Please, please close the curtain. Yeah, I'm for sure, for certain. Some topics be making us way too uncomfortable. Queasy stomachs hurting. We do not deal with negative energy, vibes, and negative person. Tell the story, this hurry up urgent. I needed to close the curtain. I'm Shalana. Don't let the sweet voice and the stethoscope fool you. Because I can tell it like it I is. Hey y'all, I'm Caroline, a Midwestern girl with a Southern flair. I will open and bless your heart in the same breath. After turning 30, there's two places I strongly belong. In a bed and in a book. Sometimes both. Nalita. I fly at night and I fly first class. Close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering go back and close. With me, Nalita, and the other two co-hosts, Shalana and Caroline. And boy, do we have a show for you. So our icebreaker tonight is going to consist of commonly misheard lyrics. And so the way that we'll run this show is we will play a small clip of the song in which lots of people have misheard these lyrics or thought that they were one thing growing up. And later in life, I don't know if they heard the lyric or if they were singing it and someone stepped in and corrected them. But later in life, they realized (laughs) that what they heard was not what the song said. And so this sentiment may be shared by more than just us. So you guys, once you're listening to this, share with us any songs that you have listened to growing up and then you later realized that what you thought it said did not say and how that changed your perspective of the song and so we'll start so listen to this song and then we'll discuss what it sounds like it's saying just close your eyes to make it hit more because i swear i just found out a month ago what this song was actually saying Okay, 
So y'all heard that clip with y'all eyes closed. What would y'all have thought that this song said? If my love opened the door to your heart. That's what I always thought the lyrics were. But I just learned today that it was let my love open the door to your heart. <laughs> and sis, I, I ain't heard this song a day in my life. I thought he said la 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 open the door. So all my life, I thought that the song said, let Milo open the door. <laughs> Baby, who is Milo? Like, who is Girl, Milo? <laughs> and so I was just singing, look, loud and wrong. Let Milo open the door. <laughs> let Milo open the door to your heart. No rhyme or reason, but there's that. I forgot to say the last song, but it's Let My Love Open the Door by Pete Townsend. Now this song, this is Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines. We'll listen to this short clip. Okay, so the commonly misheard lyric was just in that last little clip. Can y'all guess what it is? And have you ever heard this song, by the way? Yes, love this song. I think it's one of Pharrell's like mm. top five. Yeah, I love yeah. that song, but I forgot the lyrics that quick. So you got to play it back. It's <laughs> okay, that's okay. <laughs> Look at it and then tell me what line do you think is, is the one that's misheard? So just from what the song is saying and talking about, I would never have thought that this was a misheard lyric, but it's right here before us. And what do y'all think it is? Well, I know when I used to listen to the song, I used to think the lyrics were, you're a good girl, go ahead, get nasty. No one can have me. <laughs> that's, all, that's what I thought he used to say. No one can have me. <laughs> So the misheard lyric in here is must want to get nasty. And most people think that it's mushrooms are nasty. Now that does not even make sense because that's, we, he ain't talking about no mushrooms in this song. He sure isn't. Right. <laughs> now the next one is a classic. So don't let us down. You see, it's our boy Lloyd. And even the internet has a hard time telling us what this song is actually saying so i want to hear y'all interpretation of what he's saying let's play it <laughs> She's okay so we played it twice the internet is in arms about what he actually said there. So what do you guys I, think he said? I used to think he was saying she's 5'2", like her height. Mm -hmm. She's 5'2", but I want you. And I was like, How? as if I'm 5'3", so you don't like five women who are short? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's saying she's fine too, but I want you. Do you agree, That's Caroline? What I think he's actually saying. I always thought it was five two, like five foot two inches also. And I think I might die on that hill. <laughs> I think I might. It's five two, not fine two, Lloyd. I know. So when not. Lloyd was asked, and I thought he actually said them both 
and use them interchangeably to trick us as to what he actually said. And so when the internet questioned him, he said it's up to the audience's interpretation as to what he was saying. Because he don't even know. (laughs) So it's just feeling it. (laughs) Okay. Next one. Let's see. I guess he's an Xbox and I'm more an Atari. About the way you play your game and care. I picture the So, have y'all heard this CeeLo Green song before? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. in that little My short favorite. clip. What did you think he just said? He said, I'm an Xbox, but you're more of an Atari. <laughs> you right, agree at the end? Wanna- he's- yeah, and then at the end, he said, I pitied a fool. <laughs> so the commonly misheard lyric is say, I guess he's an expert and I'm more an attorney. Now, these must be some people that just are not listening quite close enough because I think he was pretty clear with what he said. He even threw the game in there so you wouldn't be confused. I'm gonna need someone oh, he- to get their ears checked because that was clearly Xbox and an Atari. <laughs> the way you play your game ain't fair. Shout out to CeeLo Green. Shout out mm, to shout Cee-Lo out Green. to him. Yes, you do I miss hearing him. So this is y'all girl. So y'all might know the lyric in question, but we we shall find out. I got lost on my lips, the man on my hips, and me tied in my dairy on so what did Beyonce say she had she had oh go ahead Shalana <laughs> gloss on her lips a man on her hips looking fine in her Darion jeans okay Drink in my cup you had it almost word for word but let's see that gloss on my lips a man on my hips and me tied in my Darion jeans okay did you hear what she said? So it's bring on it. I got gloss on my lips, a man on my hips, holding me tighter than my Darion jeans. Yep. A hundred percent. Now what's commonly misheard is I got gloss on my lips, a man on my hips, hold me tighter than my very own jeans. Now they know she was throwing out the brand, but you know, it, yeah. they could argue very own, but now this Ooh, is a throwback. Because for when I say I sang this song loud and wrong for years, <laughs> I sang this song loud and wrong. And if y'all tell me that y'all knew exactly what the lyrics said, I'm going to have to think that y'all was just making it up. So let's see. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> did y'all know this song growing up? I did. Mm-hmm. And yep. did you but I'm going to tell you what I... <laughs> Listen, you have to know the Bible in order to know the lyric, okay? Right, yes. you don't know, know the Bible, it's not going to make sense to you. But I know growing up, I used to say there was a bomb. 
Yes. Thank you, yeah. B O M B. I used to always think, well, why would she sing something so violent? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I thought she was saying something close to that too. I thought she was saying it was a bomb, B O M B, in Gilly's head. <laughs> so I don't know whose head it was, but it was about to be blown up. I tell you that. <laughs> a bomb b-o-m-b in gilead and when i tell you i probably was in college when i looked up this song again and finally knew that there was a bomb healing b-a-l-m yes, mm-hmm. like lip balm <laughs> so that has been a game of commonly misheard lyrics you might catch us playing that game in a later season just join us here at Close the Curtain for all of your entertainment needs. Next on our agenda is discussing our girl, Katunji Brown Jackson, who has been confirmed as of last Thursday as our newest Supreme Court Justice. She's the 116th Justice in U.S. history with a final vote of 53 to 47 with three Republicans joining to turn the tide and I thank them she would have won anyway without them but it would have been just really really close but thank y'all for stepping up because you realize others right Mm -hmm. you realize what we have is a gym joining the ranks of the supreme court ladies Mm -hmm. what say you I was in a meeting during the vote And um, so I was just like kind of watching it on my other, on my other monitor. And as soon as um, Vice President Harris like announced it, I was just like crying. And my boss was like, "Um, are you okay? I I didn't think that requisition forms and onboarding training would bring you to tears. Like what's wrong? So I had to like (laughs) explain like what I was like watching on the side and stuff. And then we just like paused and had a moment to like talk about it and stuff. But oh my goodness, the amount of just joy and black pride. And it was just really overwhelming to actually watch it happen. It's something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. That's for sure. But I also enjoy watching the Republicans walk out after the vote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were so salty. Mm -hmm. They were so salty. And I'm like, oh, bye. Bye. We didn't need you here. (laughs) We don't need you. And that's not going to change this. It's not. And let this be a reminder to everyone about why voting in elections besides just the president, that's why these votes are so important. Because Mm -hmm. had the Democrats not been the majority in the Senate plus Kamala Harris's vote, if they were tied, she she probably wouldn't have Mm -hmm. been selected. So that's why it's always important to make sure that you're voting for your senators, You're voting for your House of Representatives. You're voting for your local judges because judges, you have to vote for judges. They're not always Mm -hmm. appointed like they are in the Supreme Court. So I'm going to get off my soapbox and get off my tangent. But that is why it's always important to follow local politics and vote in every election, not just the president. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, Caroline. I am so proud. I will always celebrate April 7th because like Ice Cube said, it was a good day. (laughs) you know it proved that in the united states dreams can come true and everything 
is possible. And this is definitely a land of opportunity. And it also made me so proud to see a Black woman be appointed to one of the highest seats in the country. And not only that, another woman who made history, Vice President Kamala Harris, was the one who announced it, that she was now appointed. And so just that moment, seeing her count up the votes and just confirm her, that in itself was amazing to me. And it just made my heart glad. Yeah, I was waiting for her to get like out of character a little bit, but she didn't. I respect it. But, you know, even watching Not the me. Next I'm day, like, girl, you won, girl. <laughs> <laughs> girl, we did, you did it. that. Strong, that you did that. <laughs> we right. here, taking over one Black woman at a time. Ooh, who was that leaving? Bye. Bye. All of that. But even like the next day when President Biden was on the lawn of the White House and he was introducing Justice Jackson. That just, that feels so good to say. When he was introducing Justice Jackson and Vice President Harris was like, both of them were standing behind Biden. And it was just a really proud moment to see two Black women in some of the highest positions in this country and I know I drag y'all president about these student loans and these gas prices and this inflation. I know I drag him a lot for that, but he really did keep his promise about doing right by Black women and in putting Black women in places that we have not been before. And so I, I am grateful for that. And I do appreciate that. I still want these loans forgiven now. Now, Joseph, but he, he has definitely kept his promise to Black women. And I'm here for that. 100%. And I'll leave y'all on this note, just as we transition into one last topic on our icebreaker, is when she tells the story about her being a young Black woman going to Harvard University. And she said she initially felt so out of place at the Ivy League institution. And one night as she was walking through Harvard Yard, a passing stranger who was another woman leaned over and offered her a word of wisdom. She said, I was really questioning do I belong here? Can I make it in this environment? Jackson mm. at 51 said, I was walking through the yard in the evening and a black woman I did not know was passing me on the sidewalk. She leaned over as we crossed and she said, persevere. And that message has followed her throughout her lifetime from Harvard to where she stands now. And if that ain't a word, I can see that being the story that's passed on in the autobiography that's written about her and her biographies that are going to come because this was a very and is a very historic moment, not just for her, even though she's standing there, but also for people who look like her, whether they be women, whether they be black women, brown women, yellow women, whatever the case may be, this is historic. <clears throat> And that brings me to this question. Which celebrity would you want to play you in your autobiography? So <laughs> I went on an app that selects a celebrity lookalike for you. Basically, what you do is you submit a picture. And based on the picture that you submit, it tells you which celebrity looks like you. And at first, they said Kelly Rowland. And I was like, nah, let me submit another picture. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Kelly Rowland is beautiful, but she's definitely not my lookalike. So then the second actress was Notori Naughton. 
Is that how you say her name from Tasha from Power? Tasha. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I can see it. I can see where we favor each other just a little bit from the eyes and the nose. Mm-hmm. And I do, I love her as an actress. I think that she would do an amazing job playing me because she's great and awesome in that any role that she does. So I, I will have her play me. <laughs> I can see that. I can totally see that. Yeah. So I did not understand the assignment and I did not choose a celebrity based on lookalikes. I don't think I look like any celebrities. I don't know. TikTok said I look like Gabrielle Union a little bit. I don't see that at all. But I was going to choose Kerry Washington because everybody says, I don't have to say a word, but my facial expression will tell you everything I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) It just, it always makes me think about how Carrie Washington can make them like, uh, faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she can act her tail off. Yes, she um, can. So that is who I would want to play me or Viola Davis. And I only say that because I've seen like trailers from the Michelle Obama movie or the movie about the Obamas, I should say. And Honey is acting her tail off as First Lady Michelle. So, um. Viola or Carrie, if you're ever free and need some work, mm. you can play me. Oh, I need to watch that. First Ladies. Is that on HBO or Showtime? It's about First Ladies. I thought it was about the Obama's child. But no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a series on the different First Ladies. So, you know, Michelle Obama is part of it because she was a First Lady. Oh, so I, okay. I can't forget which, which station was going to be on. Is it Showtime or... It was HBO. Showtime. Showtime. I think it was Showtime, but yeah, I thought it was about the Obama. So there's just one mm-hmm. episode for Michelle. For is them. what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. I will watch that episode and report right. back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think right. it's out yet though. <laughs> so as for me, I didn't choose any lookalikes either. Because honestly, I think one of these people I'm going to choose is, they really remind me of my niece. She looks a lot like her. But just based on actions and the crazy things that you will do I chose two people Kiki Palmer (laughs) as a first because when I follow her on freaking Instagram she always has me dying and not only that she doesn't partner with Audible and she has those little skits that she does with Jackie or whatever her friend name is she has those now as audiobooks and they're like little 30 minute shorts but Kiki is out here handling her business and enjoying her life after being a childhood star. She still is not out of the spotlight, but she's showing you how to enjoy life. The second person, I would never have even been introduced to her until Shalana told me to watch Abby. And that's Quinta, Quinta V. I love her. And the way that she is in Abbott Elementary is the way... Not to those extremes, but I could see myself doing some of this stuff. Just climbing up because I can't wait on nobody to do something for me. I'm going (laughs) to climb up on this ladder knowing I'm scared of being high up and try and fix this light. And then all the lights in the school going to go off. (laughs) So (laughs) the shenanigans that she gets into, her heart is is pure gold. And she's always trying to go out of her way to help other people so I would probably want her to play me (laughs) most of all so Quinta B 
hit your home girl look once we hit it big starting in this podcast area i'm gonna need my autobiography done and i want you to play me okay (laughs) (laughs) well ladies are you ready to cork and toast of course all right well (laughs) listeners this portion of our episode is called make a toast or put a cork in it where we chat about things happening in the news and we decide if we're going to celebrate and make a toast or if we're going to put a cork in it because it's a no for us but before we get started I'm curious to know what are y'all drinking this evening well y'all I am keeping it wholesome today I know last week I said that I was going to bring something new actually this is kind of new but it's not alcohol (laughs) I promise next week I'll I'll be a little bit more adventurous, but sis is tired and I feel like we're recording on Sunday. And if I drink tonight, I'm just going to have a really bad Monday. So <laughs> tonight I'm drinking a peach flavored sparkling water and I'm imagining that it's champagne. <laughs> well, the imagination can do wonders, you know, so we know that if you cut up tonight, you just high on life. Okay. And I told y'all I was going to try something new. And as I'm looking at this container, it would take Caroline to get me to drink a flavored beer. I have this Jack Daniels (laughs) down home punch and it is good. I can tell you right now. Yeah, beer stinks and I'm not a fan, but this right here is good. Y'all should try it. I'm so glad you like it. See, I will not steer you wrong. I will not. I am like Shalana, um, being a bit wholesome this evening. I have been struggling with being in my 30s back aches and I pulled a muscle last week. So all my prayer warriors keep me in your prayers. But because of that, I'm taking some pain meds and I'm not drinking liquor, but I do have a medicine ball that I'm drinking. And that is just a hot tea. It's two tea bags from Tivana, citrus mint, and a peach tea with a squeeze of fresh lemon. I warm all that up together with hot water and just add some honey at the very end. It is chef's kiss. It's so good. I need you to put that we'll, up I'll on post the blog. The, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we'll put the uh, recipe on, on our Instagram for sure because it is delicious. And it's just, it helps with, I don't know if it has any real health benefits. Don't even get me on headline, but it make you feel good. Right? (laughs) Make you feel like you're doing something. That's right. That's right. But since I am, you know, a surgeon graduating from Grey's Anatomy University, I will prescribe it to all of you. After you hear these stories tonight, though, I might need to upgrade to some brown. So if I step away for a second and come back, you know, I had to upgrade this drink. So just bear with us. But our first story this evening is called Big Curves, Small Pockets. A photographer charges an extra $100 to shoot plus-size models. Yeah, y'all heard that right. A New York City photographer is hitting back after it was revealed that he charges an extra $100 to take professional photos of plus-size models compared to quote-unquote standard posers. His name is William Lords. He came under fire for his pricing policy a couple weeks ago when one of his models took the TikTok to show that she received an email from him and it quoted $950 for him to shoot a standard model and $1,050 for him to photograph a plus-size or curve model. 
And so when he was asked about it by the New York Post, he said, you know, it's easy to jump on something that you don't understand. And he said that he was like kind of surprised that she went straight to social media instead of like asking him about it or talking to him about it. And he went on to say, you know, I'm a black man in America. So for two white women to tell me I'm discriminating against them, he was like, I'm so hurt by this, but no one is telling the true story. And so he went on to say that he prices his shoes because he provides the wardrobe or at least a couple of looks for the models to take pictures in because they're typically submitting these portfolios and it's part of like auditions to be on runways. And he was saying that like, when I buy designer items with my own money and my own credit cards, it's easy to find things for people who are like a size zero to four or a six, but it's a lot harder to shop for curvier women's clothes in a luxury market. And so that's why he has to charge a little bit more because it takes more time. Sometimes the clothes are more expensive and harder to source. So apparently he's saying that he's not the one necessarily trying to charge them more, but because it's more expensive to shop for plus size in luxury when you can find it. So do we cork this extra charge that he's putting on like plus size models or do we toast him for being size inclusive in his services to begin with? When you first hear that he's charging an extra $100 for plus size models, number one, why would you send it in an introductory email without any explanations attached to that? Because when you send that, it does automatically make you feel that it is some something else going on besides what he cited was the reason. And I can see like circle. They had the rates when they showed the emails and under it, it says both rates include three styles and eight to 10 images. So if I provide my clothing, am I still going to get this upcharge? Like I can understand that he's saying the plus size clothing are more expensive. I do understand that even when you buy a t-shirt going through a school and they say, Hey, you want to buy these t-shirts? If you get an up to an extra large, it's the regular standard price. But once you get 2XL, 3XL, 4XL, each one of those has an upcharge. And that's the same thing. It does not look or feel like the same because it feels like in this email, he's targeting plus and curvy women. But what he's saying is correct. And so with the explanation, I can understand. But if I don't want to wear your clothing, can I get the standard rates? Because at that point, you're not providing me anything but your services. So I would just need to know that. I think he had a valid argument. Toast what he's saying. But only because he, he came back with the argument. I think that's something maybe you should tell by word. And then it will have a more, a more authentic feel. So right now, I'm going to toast him. But ask that he changes the way he presents these prices. So as soon as I saw the headline of the article, my initial thought was to cork him right away because I thought he was trying to fat shame people. And, you know, I couldn't believe it because I think when Caroline put it in the chat, my immediate text was like, oh, no, he didn't. Like, I, you know, I was appalled. But because we are doing this show and I wanted to be fully informed before making a decision, I did my due diligence and I read the article. And after reading the article, I think 
that the photographer has the right to charge the extra fees. And I don't think he's actually trying to fat shame anyone. You know, this model in particular, this was just his policy. And it is for a good reason, I believe, because if you are going to make a profit off of anything, if you're an entrepreneur and you're going to make a profit, you have to charge more than you're going to actually spend. So if he is spending a lot more money purchasing these designer clothes for plus size models and they're expensive, he has to kind of supplement somewhere. But I do agree with you, Nalita, that this should have been listed somewhere, though. You know, maybe it was in the email, but it was in fine print. But this may need to be listed, the rationale behind his actions so that the models are aware of why he's charging the extra fees and he can avoid situations like this. But what I will say is that I am corking the model for putting him in his business on blast without even approaching or asking questions. Because if I'm going to get charged extra fees and I see this on the email, I'm going straight to the person I'm doing business with and I'm going to ask them, hey, listen, what's up with this extra fee? You know, I need an explanation. And then, you know, you take it from there. But yeah, I think this whole situation could have been squashed had she would have reached out to him, you know, and inquired about the, the additional fees. Yep. Y'all basically just took all the words out of my mouth. I completely agree. I am toasting the photographer because even if the clothes were not more expensive, he still had to take more time to find these clothes because like, I'm not going to go into a Givenchy boutique and just find like a size 20 or a size 22 dress right? Like it's just not going to happen. So even to account for the extra time that it takes to source these clothes and these pieces, that alone would justify an extra cost. But you know, Shalona, like you said, if I have an issue with your pricing, the first thing I'm going to do is go to you, not just cry tears and try to throw somebody under the bus on social media without even saying anything. And it seems like the model was just trying to do this for attention versus trying to like really get a resolution out of this. So I agree with y'all toasting the photographer, corking the model because she tried it. Now in our next story, while we're talking about work, y'all thought y'all didn't want to go back to the office after this little pandemic (laughs) was over. (laughs) This young king got fired from his job after moving into his cubicle, and he called it homing from work, not working from home. Again, this guy on TikTok is literally living and breathing his work. His name is Shabuzor Ijimafor, but he uses the name Simon Jackson professionally. He made a viral video of himself living in his work cubicle, claiming that it was a form of protest because he was not paid enough at his job. The video earned over 12 million views since it, you know, first came out. But in a follow-up video, he revealed that he was allegedly fired from his job and the company's name is Arcadis. Now, his followers on TikTok done went onto the Google and gave this company like a whole lot of one stars. If there was a way to give them zero stars, they would. But they have dragged this company through the mud on TikTok. And if you Google this company now, you'll just see all kind of just wild, wild reviews. And he did not ask them to do this, but I, I was quite tickled <laughs> by some of these reviews that people left in support of Simon Jackson. 
But in his original video, he said that he is moving from his apartment into his cubicle at work because they don't pay me enough to do both. And so as a matter of protest, I'm going to just live at my job and see how long I can get away with this. It only lasted four days when security came and escorted him out the building and fired him. But he thinks that he probably could have like lived this out a little bit longer if he didn't like put it on video because no one was in the office. It was an empty office. So it's not like people could see him or know that he was in there. He was also saying that apartments were too expensive. His lease was ending and his rent was going up. So he was already in a rush to move. And he was denied a performance review at his job, which would have offered him a potential raise. So that's why he decided to like move into this office to begin with. But was the company wrong for firing him? Or was this just taking things way too far? Like who gets the toast here? Or who gets the cork? Romper Bay? Because he was going around that office in this tight little romper. <laughs> or are we corking or toasting the company that fired him? Like, where do y'all stand on this? <laughs> this story it's is the romper. It's the romper for me. <laughs> and he was using the staff refrigerator to keep his groceries in. It was just <laughs> in the fridge, uh, using the building's gym and shower. Yeah, so he was in real. there. It wasn't real until you saw that suitcase hanging open and him putting the tablecloth across his desk and letting out the sleeping bag. I mean, he said moved in. He wasn't joking. He was not joking. He was not joking. Oh my gosh. I'm toasting to this protest, okay? Because in this country, we are allowed to peacefully protest. And this was definitely a very interesting, peaceful demonstration, okay? But my question to the young king who was fired is, now where are you going to live? You're not going to be able to pay your rent because you got fired. And now your housing situation at your job is obsolete. So I am really, really concerned for him at this point. So I hope that him going viral or something, you know, helped him out with money or helped him out with assistance or anything that he, he needs. But I think that this should have been a wake up call to all employers that they really need to step up and really consider the cost of living in the area that they're serving so they can pay their employees accordingly, because this is ridiculous. The cost of living, everything is increasing now. And, you know, and that is another reason why I'm toasting to him because he helped bring awareness to this issue because too many jobs are doing this and I'm corking the company for firing him. You know, they should have kept him on payroll and paid him what he needed because that's why we have a job anyway, right? To support ourselves. So I don't know. <laughs> Shalana, you a pushover. It, it sounds like you have a job and your employees come in because they say you ain't paying them enough. You're going to increase their pay, which is going to make you lose out your company or, you mm -hmm. know, they I'm not saying Arcadis is, is losing out on anything. They mm -hmm. replaced him probably but as soon as they fired him. Yeah, but if they're a major company and they're able to do it. Now, I'm not talking about these little companies that are struggling because clearly yes. if he's protesting, he must know that they're able to do something about the situation. What's going on? Right. But if they are a major company and they have the ability to pay their employees, they need to pay their employees. I have a problem with companies that don't pay when they have the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. That is not fair. And especially with what people are required to do when they come to work every day, you know? So 
I don't know. I think that employers need to just take another look. And if somebody needs to get paid more, they need to consider that. So are you of the idea that they should get paid based on what their expenses are? Or just you want them to re-look at all of the hierarchy? Like my job just recently did and it went through and it just compared what we're getting paid versus everybody else in the state, whether you're um, environmental services, you're a nurse, you're a tech, whatever. And it looked at the competitive pricing. It looked at your years of service. It looked at all these different factors. And then we have like a range of pay for us to be paid. So I think my range I've been there for four years. I don't even know what else I said, but I've been there for four years and per my pay, I should range anywhere from 28 to like $36 an hour based upon what everybody else is getting paid in my profession and how long I've worked there and all this different stuff. And they kind of leveled out the pay for all of its employees. So you just thinking they need to restructure? Because I mean, I know that- I think- I was just going to say, I know that with inflation and- Everything to do with COVID, uh, gas, all places have gone up. You you even were talking about Mm -hmm. your place and my car insurance has gone up and who knows what other bills are going Mm -hmm. to go up. Oh, my freaking light and gas bills have skyrocketed wherever I was paying Mm -hmm. $50 for gas originally the last Mm -hmm. four or five months I've been paying $250. Talk about being pissed off pissed Mm. off so I can definitely understand Simon when he's talking about the pricing uh, of living the cost of living and if Mm -hmm. you are not getting paid enough then you also have to consider maybe this isn't the job for you Mm -hmm. You that too he could leave the job yeah but I just that that is an option you know at that too he could have just got up and left and I wish he would have done that because then he would have at least had a job you know he would have been able to supply and and support himself yeah but what I was talking about is I think that a lot of companies need to really evaluate and see what the cost of living is and Mm -hmm. pay based on that along with all the other variables that you just listed like the time that the person has been there their job description what they have to do when they're there like they should take all of that into account when deciding what to pay the person what their salary should be you know, yeah. not just say, oh, this is what we've paid. So we're going to continue to keep this the same fixed mm-hmm. price. You, you can't yep. do that. It's true. That is very true. Well, y'all will be excited to know that after this protest of homing from work, the CEO at this company, Arcadis, did announce salary increases to all of their employees that would take effect. I'm not sure when he announced it when he or she announced it, but it would take effect on like the next pay cycle, basically. So depending on like whatever your rank is, whether you're like a level eight or higher, like wherever you are in the company determines like how much of a percentage you get, like 2%, 3%, 4%, et cetera. So I'm pretty sure with these romper sales, he ain't hurting for a coin right now. Right. But I am happy to see that the work that he did did result in positive change for the company. Just doing the math, it looks like that's about a, somewhere between like six and $10 million in payout to adjust everyone's salary. 
but I, I am definitely toasting this peaceful protest and I'm corking the company for not just for paying low wages, but I'm also corking them for declining to do his performance review and putting my HR hat back on because I've been in this role for a whole week and so now I'm an expert. But that that is another rant for another day. But you know, to Shalana's point, I think it is the company's responsibility to one, make sure everyone is paid equitably. And if you don't have like a, a proper process to make sure that you have pay equality and pay equity across the board, that's your first problem. But then also reviewing this annually to make sure that your salaries are still competitive and they're still in line with the market. Because I know people who haven't gotten raises at their jobs in like five or more years but these gas Girl, prices have gone and up, that this is rent has gone up, yes. and everything that else. That is unacceptable. So, you know, yes, you can just leave and go to another company, but then that also Ooh. means that you're giving up mm-hmm. seniority, you're giving up vacation Insurance, time. vacation time. Insurance. And that's a big 401k. Yeah. All of that. All of those things. So, you know, it's not easy to just jump to another job, especially if you already have like tenure and seniority there. But I am glad that this company is at least trying to do right by their employees and was able to learn from this teachable moment. So making a toast to Sir Simon. I'm still going to court Simon. He was a mighty fine specimen in that romper suit, I've got to say. As he was stacking his canned goods into the uh, staff fridge, but that was hilarious. <laughs> but Simon, I mean, you didn't have any friends you could room with or anything while you did the other work that you could have probably approached your HR about. You said that they declined your performance review, but then investigates, open a case against it or something, you know especially if they came to you I don't know that they did but if they came to you after your video went viral and offered you the chance to move out of the office and keep your job or stay in the office and do your peaceful protest and get fired so I mean your work did yield some good benefits so I give you a side eye, but I think that you still could have made a difference. Like, yes, you went viral already. So the company saw that what you were doing, especially with the reviews and the way that they company set up now with all these hate mail and all this stuff, the everything that's going down, it's probably going to be a lot of loss to the company for the work that you did. So that was the first step, but I feel like he could have bagged down a little found someone else to room with, shared the cost of living while I fought the fight to make sure that we had equitable changes so that what I'm making would be equal to what my cost of living outside of this job is. So I think he could have handled it differently after the protest, but Mm -hmm. hey, it's done. He still has other avenues to explore. So maybe this tipped off the scale for his entrepreneurial work that he's going to do. You know what I am going to put a cork in? These $150 rompers that he out here selling on Beyonce's internet. (laughs) How else he going to get the money? Not $150. He not selling no rompers for $150, nah. Girl, strike me down if I'm lying. (laughs) If I'm lying, I'm flying, huh? Oh my god! And I'm right here in this chair. I'm corking that too. (laughs) 
They are $150 and it's a pre-order. So once he sells 30 of the romper, he'll place a bulk order and ship them all out. Not 30. We may never Mm -hmm. reach that. And people are actually buying these rompers? Probably now. I'm telling you, you can put anything on the market. Right. And it you sure sell. can. After his show went viral, viral, it will sell. Yeah. Let me go put Listen. some Georgia clay in a bottle and set it up in Trader yeah. Joe's because clearly I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> but, you know, power to this young king and his romper business. I hope that he is successful and we wish him all of the best. Now, speaking of coins. Somebody said they got five on it because four Florida men got busted. Shalana, come get your state. Four Florida men got busted for doing the Lord's work. They were installing tampering devices on gas pumps that lowered the price to pennies on the dollar. Somebody played this long order intro for me. Four Florida men hatched an elaborate dun, 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 scheme. Dun, dun. in the criminal justice system (laughs) (laughs) right somebody go get Benson (laughs) yes get these jokers out of here but four men in Florida hatched an elaborate scheme to lower the prices at multiple gas stations to combat the growing gas crisis According to the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, the suspects installed devices called pulsators inside the gas station pumps. And what the device does is it will regulate a fuel price and flow, meaning that they send the price per gallon plummeting when it's operated correctly. So this allowed them to fill up their gas tank almost for free and even resell the gas they stole. <laughs> so it, it will basically like change the price of the gas that you pay, but it will keep the gallons the same. So instead of paying like four <laughs> and almost $5 where like gas prices in Florida are, you can change that amount to like a nickel or even a penny per gallon and then you could pump like a hundred gallons from that. So not only were they filling up their own trucks, they were also selling gas to people and making a profit off of that. Now, <laughs> the truth is we could all use some relief from these gas prices, but they did collectively break the law. So do we toast the effort or cork the crime? I have one thing to say and one thing only. Boom, boom. Not the soundtrack. Okay, now. (laughs) Melita is coming with the soundtrack. Okay. (laughs) These people, as you said, have done the Lord's work. As long as they weren't scalping people's heads when they resold that gas, guess what? I'll be lining up at their house because gas prices are out there chopping off our necks. If our rent is being increased to Mm $2,000 a month or more, then it does not make sense. First of all, we are still suffering from the after effects of COVID and our world going back to a more normal thing with the cost of living going up 
and orange juice costing ten dollars a bottle is no way that I can pay five dollars per gallon of gas I mean I can but that really makes me consider should I keep going into the office or should I be like Rumper Bay and just move in and live there because this is ridiculous I mean it's enough space y'all can come stay with me and I know the EVS worker personally so she ain't gonna rat us out and I know how to avoid the cameras so these (laughs) men are going to get a toast from me but only if they were charging a reasonable price for gas like three dollars and not price gouging yeah a gallon Y'all are killing me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to toast these young men of God. And I'm also going to put some money on their commissary because this was nothing but the Lord's work out here. (laughs) I'm um, telling you. Snatching these prices back. So I'm here for it. And I'm putting some money on the commissary. Mm-hmm. me too i am toasting to these gentlemen first of all i need me a pulsator because that was the device that they use i need me one of those i'm gonna go on amazon after we finish recording and see if i can find me one don't come after me <laughs> <laughs> all right Listen, now I... <laughs> i'm gonna have Listen, to mark this I episode am... explicit <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Now, when y'all oh, see goodness. a post on Instagram with our GoFundMe <laughs> up for Shalana Bell money, I'm going to need y'all support. Put some money on my commissary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, put some money on my tab. These gas prices. Listen, I'm not hating on these two men. I am going to toast, like I said, for their efforts to beat the system. Here in Florida, gas is almost $5. And in California, it is $7. That is ridiculous. These prices are not fair. And until they do right by us, I think we all should try to find ways to beat the system. That's how I feel. Okay. And like you were saying, Nalita, inflation is serious these days. Like the price of food is going up. I bought a loaf of bread the other day in Publix for almost $4. I bought some loose like granola for $6. The brand that I used to buy always used to be like three something close to $4, but I paid $6 today for some granola. And not only that, the cost of housing is increasing as well. I read the other day, and this is true story, the mayor of Miami has called a state of emergency over housing affordability, a state of emergency. And I think Broward County is next, you know, because rent has become so high that people cannot afford to even pay their rent. Mind you, they are raising the cost of living during a time when people are just getting back on their feet. People are just recuperating from the effects of COVID. You know, even though we're not wearing masks everywhere, you know, the death rates of COVID have decreased tremendously. Like people are still suffering the after effect from not working, from their businesses collapsing. You know, so we're still trying to get back on our feet financially. I serve a really big God. So I have faith that things are going to work out, you know, for me and my family financially. But I'm just saying this is a really bad time for prices to really be going high. So I do agree. And I toast to these men trying to find a way to beat the system. Yes. Now, for legal reasons, uh, we do not condone any criminal activity on this show because we are all law-abiding 
church tithing <laughs> citizens. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> exactly. Child, I'm going to need to find that loaf of bread and fish that Jesus fed 5,000 with because if Shalana paying $4 for some bread, it's going to have to feed more than her, her mom and Bentley, I tell you that. But while we're still on the topic of money, this time, Big Bank takes Little Bank Part 2. Private HBCU offers free tuition for students impacted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. (sighs) Y'all know we love us some HBCUs around here, but no one is safe from the cork or the toast here at Close the Curtain. So Hampton University is receiving significant backlash on social media after the school announced that it would allow students impacted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine to study at its campus tuition-free this summer. According to the university president, Dr. William Harvey, 50 to 100 students who are currently exposed to the dangers in Ukraine will be able to attend Hampton free of charge. This announcement came as the student debt crisis has disproportionately affected Black college students, including and especially those attending HBCUs. The collective Hampton University faculty, staff, and students are heartbroken because of the war-torn country of Ukraine and how they must deal with atrocities like bombing of maternity wards, hospitals, and other civilian areas is what Harvey said in a statement last week. He thinks that this partnership is something that could be beneficial to a great number of students and families. And he went on to say that his entire career has been focused on helping people achieve and meet their goals. However, this gesture has been met with online backlash from both current and former Hampton students because the collective message has been one, wondering where that offer was for your own Black students who face their own hardships, who either attend or have previously attended or are looking to attend Hampton University. One Hampton alum on Twitter even wrote that people should call Dr. Harvey on the phone and demand that the university take that offer off the table because every person who cares about the safety of Black students at Hampton needs to call the office and demand that they rescind the offer or the alumni will not give back or attend homecoming this year. And that just came from one alum on Twitter, but even others who were in the comments were really quick to give their thoughts about the school's decision too. And, you know, just voice their displeasure with all of this because they don't feel that it's the school's responsibility to help students in Ukraine, especially not in the wake of the news of the poor treatment of African students over in the country when they were trying to evacuate and seek refuge. So... The students at Hampton and the alum are, they are 10 mad because where is their free tuition? Now, we understand supporting a cause for such an unfortunate tragedy, but students and families at Hampton want them to keep that same energy when it comes to funding their own and providing financial relief to their own. You know, Hampton's a private university and they are not cheap. So do we toast the effort or cork this gesture. I am all for supporting those in need. Please don't get it twisted. Please don't. My heart really goes out to these people in Ukraine because they are really suffering. And, you know, I pray for them daily. 
as I watch the news. But I also believe in taking care of home before you begin taking care of others. And it's just like when we board a flight and before the plane takes off, the flight attendant tells you, you know, when they're given their safety instructions, in case there is an accident, you always put on your oxygen mask first before you help someone else. And I believe this is so true for HBCUs because African-American students are the lifeline of HBCUs. For one, we are more likely to attend HBCUs than any other race. Secondly, most of the funding comes from Black organizations and alumni who have graduated from HBCUs. And lastly, most of our HBCUs are privately funded. So for some of our schools, there isn't a whole lot of money to go around. So, you know, we really need to focus on taking care of our own and keeping our institutions open for our future generations. And I'm really passionate about this because it really hurts me whenever I learn about a historically Black college that's struggling financially, that's about to close their doors because they don't have the money coming through. And whenever that happens, we as a community, our organizations within our community are the ones that keep the doors open, that give them the money to keep their doors open. So, you know, I'm all for assisting other people. And, you know, I don't think Hampton is doing anything wrong, but you got to do things decently in order. If you got people at your school that's struggling financially, you need to help them out first. And like Caroline mentioned, you know, they didn't really do our brothers and sisters there who were seeking refuge well either. They weren't looking out for us. So that's where I stand. Like I'm corking their decision to help out those students. I'm corking them too, because I attended an HBCU and it was very hard trying every year, not just one year, you would get awarded a freaking full, how you get a full ride scholarship to the school but you got to fight tooth and nail to make sure that your money that you you've already been awarded is actually applied to your debt. Why you got to stand in long queues, pull a number, do all this. You get back here, you talk to this counselor and then they send you somewhere else. Cause it's not us. It's the registrar. It's the bursar office. You walk around, hike around this freaking HBCU campus talking to <laughs> people all memory. morning and still might not get your issue taken care of. And I can't imagine how much more that was complicated in light of COVID and everything that's been going on on the college campuses. And yet you turn around with your own students struggling. You can't lift a finger really to, to care about them. And like you said, Shalona, because this is what I'm piggybacking off, you want to target your alumni, send out all these plea messages and all these postcards to support your school, support your school. We might have to close our doors if you don't give us funds and we donate our money. And you turn around and you give this money to other students to say that they're going to attend the school for free, for free. Black people have been fighting for reparations for quite some time and we still are not to the point where people even think that we deserve or need reparations it does not look incoming in any way shape form or fashion so we're already at a disadvantage 
And then this right here places you further back on the track than you were to start with and put other people who, when you come, even as an immigrant, I'm sorry, there are certain rights and privileges that you get moving here to the United States that people who are already citizens and were born here do not get. It's already things that put you ahead in the line. Like your language barrier might put you back, but you can get almost any kind of assistance if you meet the right people. So I don't agree with this. Hampton, you need to do better. I know I said a lot, but I really feel like y'all got to do better by your own people. So originally I was going to toast this because, well, I take that back. Originally, I was going to put a cork in it when I first saw the headline. But then when I read the article, I said, you know, I I can see how watching the things that are happening in Ukraine creates a soft spot in your heart to want to do something. Because, I mean, I've even been compelled to want to help in some way, shape, or fashion, right? I think it's just like the human nature in us to want to help a fellow human when they are suffering. So I can understand this gesture. And I thought, you know, this could be a good thing. It's only 50 to 100 students. It's not like they're about to get like a full four years worth of education. It's just one semester. It's just in the summer. And it wouldn't be like that bad until I looked up how much tuition was at this school and did the math. So according to the Google, Tuition at Hampton is $634 per credit hour. And each class is typically like three credit hours, right? So you're already looking at about $1,900 per student. And if they bring in 100 students to take one class this summer, just one, for 100 students, that's like $190,000 right there alone. If y'all got that much money to donate to a good cause, why couldn't you go across the DMV and give that to students at Howard who didn't have a place to live last semester? Like, if you want to be that giving of your resources, I can name a hundred different ways that you can sew that back into the Black community. Right? So I I was going to toast it until I did some digging and ran some numbers and for as much as these schools now granted I did not go to an HBCU probably one of the biggest regrets of my life when I go back for my doctorate it it might come from an HBCU but I even coming from a PWI I love Georgia State University my school was excellent love being a panther but honey them people call me about once a month for a donation to their alumni services and I always joke and like I kid with them and I'm like, well, let me take care of these student loans before you call me asking for anything else. Like, let me pay them before I get back to paying y'all anything. And it's like, I know that schools depend on their alumni funds so much. So it almost feels like a slap in the face trying to put myself in the position of like Hampton graduates who are like, yo, if you got, you know, 200,000 just to like, spend on one semester for these students like can I get a kickback like can I get some of that because student loan debt is out of control so I am I will 
it's a cork. It's a cork for me. I can't even find a way to toast this because I feel like the efforts of philanthropy and the efforts of wanting to give back are also misdirected. Because if you have $200,000 to spend, you should have spent it like back into your community, not overseas. That's where I land with that. Yeah. And like you said, Caroline, you know, the need and want to give back, I can, I admire that. But you don't have to pay tuition, give a donation, send a donation or have the students rally up together and store supplies to send over there that they need. I think to me, that would be more helpful than paying tuition for a few students that come here, you know. So we have reached the sidebar segment. I like to call this segment the meat and potatoes of the show because exploring celebrity gossip and world news can be intriguing and entertaining. But we all need an inspiring word, something we can internalize and live by. Today's sidebar conversation is something that affects everyone who has a smartphone. (laughs) The topic is how much is too much social media and how does it affect our relationships? This topic was inspired by a Therapy for Black Girls blog post. And I would like to read a snippet of some of our world's alarming statistics as it pertains to social media. In 2019, the average person spent 144 minutes per day on social media. According to media dependency theory, the higher dependence a person has on media, the stronger the influence of media on the individual's perceptions and behaviors. A study conducted in 2018 by Brigham Young University found that extensive social media usage is linked with decreased emotional wellness and lower satisfaction in interpersonal relationships. In other words, if you think your relationship is being negatively impacted by social media, you are not being dramatic. It actually is. Now, let's just internalize that for a minute, because as I was reading that, I felt that that was very alarming and it it kind of stuck with me because it is the truth. Social media is something that is part of our everyday lives. And I was actually reading another article where it talked about how Selena Gomez had to get away from social media She's not been active on social media for years. She has someone who kind of controls her pages, her Instagram and her Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. But she herself does not have anything to do with social media. And she says since she's been away with social media, she has been doing so much better psychologically. So now the first question to open this discussion is, do you agree that social media has an impact on relationships? If so, in what ways? Definitely. So I would say because some of the things that you're seeing evoke certain emotions in you and even subconsciously you start to tuck those things away. Oh, their man is doing this or their spouse is doing this and they're meeting these needs that they have or certain things that you may not have even asked for or communicated in your relationship you see these being met in someone else's relationship or the appearance that it is. And it makes you look at your relationship and see what's missing or is anything missing and compare. 
So you feel like I need to, these people need to either raise the bar or lower the bar. Is this, is what I'm looking at realistic or am I living some pipe dream? And so I definitely think it has a lot of weight. If you let it on your relationships, sometimes it's subconscious and you don't even know that you're tucking those things away to later compare your relationship to whether it's your friendship, your spouse, your siblings, like whatever the case may be, it's always something, some void or some lack that people have within themselves that when you see another person has it, that's what I feel. It may not be true, but that's just what I feel. Then you took that away to file it away whether you talk about it in therapy to get some healing and to move forward or whether you allow that to help you self-destruct and cause you to find problems or create problems in your own relationship but it's all fake (laughs) it's social media (laughs) for a reason (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Exactly. And I think what we fail to realize is that many of us put on the best version of ourselves on social media. And sometimes it's inflated. But, you know, at the end of the day, it does have an impact on our relationships because seeing other people on social media starts to create a false sense of comparison that did not exist before social media. So, It takes keeping up with the Joneses to a whole new level because, you know, back in the day, it was just limited to people in your community. Like, oh, what are the next door neighbors doing? Oh, what are people at my job doing? Oh, what are people at church doing? But now we're exposed to people around the globe who, you know, oh, look, they're having another baby. Oh, look, that their wedding looked more expensive than mine. We, We didn't have this. We didn't have that. So my marriage won't be as successful or, you know, things like that. Or like just recently, a couple of my friends on Facebook just defended their dissertation in their PhD programs. And shout out to my homegirl, LL, who is the mastermind behind Black and Grad School, the podcast and the brand. She did a dual doctoral program in engineering and it was so dope but her in addition to like a couple other friends of mine like they all defended their dissertations and I'm like man if I would have stuck with applying to school back when I really wanted to if I would have just you know followed through with that dream like that could be me too right and I can be happy for them and excited for them and celebrate with them but then it also internalizes things that I did not do or decisions that I chose not to make for whatever reason. And I start to measure my own success in comparison to someone else's. And whenever you measure success, it should be based on your own definition, not based on things that others have done or have not done. And I think that when we see so many people showing their best selves or showing up as their best selves on social media, we start to create that comparison game and it's damaging to our mental health for sure, but it also impacts, you know, the relationships we have around us. Like it, it impacts people's marriages. It impacts, you know, family relationships. It impacts, you know, parents who are trying to do their best raising children, 
but they see other parents doing something different or in their head doing something better. And now they kind of think less than themselves, for example. And so, yeah, it just too much social media, too much of anything is not good for you, but an overconsumption of social media can definitely have an impact on your relationships for sure. Yeah, I agree. So I thought about how it affects interpersonal relationships and I thought about it this way because we've all been to a dinner or a gathering with friends or family where everyone has their phones out. You know, no one is paying attention to the other person. No one is communicating. And if we are communicating, it's about what we have, what has come across on our timeline. Oh, did you see this? Did you see that? Did you see this TikTok video? You know, we're no longer having intimate conversations. We're no longer talking about, hey, how was your day? How are you feeling? You know, how are you getting through X, Y, and Z? Like we're no longer really having intimate conversations in intimate settings. I remember I was dating this guy once and we had gone out to dinner and this was maybe our fourth date. And the whole time he kept checking his Facebook and Instagram notifications. And, you know, listen, I ain't perfect. I've done the same thing. I've also been out with friends. I've also been out on dates or whatever. And I'll pull out my cell phone, especially now since, you know, I'm managing the eavesdrop podcast, Instagram and the close the curtain. And so every notification I'm picking up the phone and I'm looking at it you know so it it can be a distraction from really having intimate conversations and intimate relationships with other people and I share the same sentiments with the two of you that you know it can also make us downplay our own successes when we we see other people doing things that we aspire you know doing or we have not been able to accomplish yet and so then we see other relationships and we want to mimic what others have and and what they are doing I think we all should take a hiatus from social media we I mean it should be something that is a regular thing that we do just to take that time back to be more intimate with our family and to gather our thoughts and really evaluate our accomplishments and take the time to appreciate our own accomplishments. So that's where I stand with that. So how has social media influenced your relationships, good or bad? It doesn't. First of all, I'm barely on social media as is and y'all over here laughing because I think my last Instagram post was from my birthday six months ago I just I don't I try to be very intentional about not consuming too much social media maybe like once a day I'll check Facebook Um, I rarely get on Instagram which is like a, a deadly sin for an entrepreneur, it seems like, but it's so easy to just get like caught up in everyone else's life, what everyone else is doing. It's so easy to get caught up in that. And for me, I just don't engage and just don't do that as much. Now I will admittedly spend like a good hour or so just scrolling TikTok for no reason. <laughs> but in terms of like letting it influence my relationship, I really make it a habit to be very confident and like very solid in the relationships I have whether that's with my husband or with my friends or like even with y'all like my sisters on close the curtain so that the things I see on social media or 
you know, you know, those quotes that you see, don't let people who can't give you advice, give you ridicule and like all those things. I I just try not to like buy into a lot of that because I'm just so secure in the relationships that I do have. And that took a lot of work. That took years of doing the work. It doesn't just happen. And I'm grateful for that, but it also, you know, just kind of keeps me rooted in my own values and the things that are important to me. And it helps me show up as my best self to the people in my life so that I'm not, you know, like looking to social media to like validate anything or, you know, using social media to, I guess, confirm or or give me something that I need that I'm lacking in a specific relationship. Well, I'm still very much letting the Lord use me. And sometimes I fall by the wayside and I take one of those quotes you was just talking about. And I'd be like, now this right here, you see what they said? And it goes right along with how I'm feeling right now. It's crazy because if you sit there and really look at everything that's coming through your social media feed and they targeting and playing off of what your emotional psyche seems to be needing. And so girl some days I'd be like mm-hmm. girl yeah that message was right on time that's why you have to surround yourself with a strong support system that's why you have to go to therapy that's why you have to do this work so we can be strong like our sister Caroline knowing that it doesn't come just overnight it's not something that that just happens it's a me- muscle that you have to flex and you have to continue to flex that muscle so that it gets stronger. And then over time, as you keep building up, that's something that you reflexively do. You block out all the the negativity. When people saying only positive vibes, yeah, you won't just let whatever comes to your viewpoint or your consciousness overtake and influence how you're feeling. So whether it's the quotes, whether it's what somebody is showing, any of those things, you'll just let it pass over you. And still have peace and go about your day knowing that you and your decisions and your choices are really what all contribute to your happiness, to your confidence, to your esteem, and to who you are. I'm still growing, still a work in process. And to anyone who is looking for other resources, don't go to social media to get them. Yeah, I was having a conversation the other day with someone and we were talking about social media and she was saying that someone else told her that they don't do social media because social media is so negative. There's so much negative stuff. And my response to that was social media is not negative unless you make it that way. And then I thought about, you know, another aspect of the article where it talked about quote unquote, digital boundaries when it comes down to relationships and things that you should consider. And so there's a list of things I'm going to, I'm going to go down the list. So one of the things they said was you should talk with your partner, talk with your significant other about if you're going to update your relationship status. That is a big thing because if one person wants to say we're in a relationship on Facebook, another person, you know, doesn't want to say that, that can cause a lot of tension. How much do you share about your relationship on social media? You know, I've seen couples where you have one person that is 
throwing up everywhere they go, pictures after pictures after pictures. They are tagging them in posts and updating their status about their relationship and all kind of stuff. And then the other person, you can't even tell they're in a relationship because they're not posting a thing about the relationship. So, you know, sometimes that can cause, you know, tension as well. Who do you follow? Who follows you? What pictures do you like or leave comments on? How do you navigate direct messages? When people hit you in the DM, are you going to respond back? <laughs> you know, or do you just ignore them, especially if it's your ex or a friend or somebody who you used to date? Do you share your login information with your partner? How much time is spent on social media? You know, so those are the type of boundaries that they talked about in an article on how to basically make the experience a good one for you and your partner. Now, when I think about my other relationships, I think when it comes down to social media, it's not all bad because it can be a wonderful tool to reach out to people, make new friends, form business connections. I have formed a lot of professional relationships just from podcasting and just reaching out to people who are doing amazing things in the community that I want to have on a show. And I've connected with them just for the show. And, you know, we text each other all the time, back and forth, you know, bouncing off ideas off of each other. And that was all because of social media. You know, social media has also connected me with some long lost friends from middle school and high school that I now keep in contact with. So I really think that it is what you make it. It can be a negative thing if you allow it to be that way, but you control who you follow. You control who follows you. You control what you like and what you don't like. So you can basically make the experience a positive one. Now. The next question is, how can we prevent allowing social media to negatively influence our relationships with others? So for me, I think you really have to define what a healthy relationship looks like in your life. Other, other people just aren't your rubric for success. And I think that's something that you have to keep in mind, whether you're dating or in a relationship with a partner or married, the things that you see on social media, you know, like I said earlier, should not be your rubric for success. It's up to you to define what that healthy relationship or that healthy marriage looks like for you. So my advice is to do three things. One, create some boundaries. And, you know, we hear people talk about digital boundaries and, you know, setting boundaries. It's the like it's a bad word and it's not, but you really want to, like Shalana said, be mindful of the spaces that you're in online. And so if you find that your Facebook feed is becoming too negative, change the people that you're friends with. Or if you feel like your Instagram just isn't inspiring or it's not serving you, unfollow the people that you know, don't add value or don't add a, a positive impact to your life. And then talk to your partner, your spouse, your husband, your wife, and understand their boundaries. I am an open book. I tell it all. I tell it very unfiltered sometimes, <laughs> and I probably should scale back 
a little bit sometimes, but I am a very open book and my husband is a very private person when it comes to his personal life. Now he will share all of the shenanigans around Beyonce's internet, but when it comes to his personal life, he is very, very private. So, you know, we'll, we'll drop a picture of us every now and then just to let y'all know that we're still alive and living together, but you will not get the same level of like intimate sharing from him that you will from me. And because of that, I will not share his business on, you know, my feed or, or share anything that would violate his boundaries on social media. And I think that it's really important to, when you think about having social media negatively influence your relationship, you have to respect your own boundaries, but you also have to respect the boundaries of your partner. And it's okay to have different reasons for using or consuming social media. Just make sure that you respect the boundaries of one another. And then finally, just stay out these people's DMs. I saw, child, I saw two people from my hometown wish the same person a happy Valentine's Day. And that was one of those times where I just sat back in my chair, kicked my feet up and grabbed some popcorn and watched those comment sections unfold because, oh, it was juicy. I had one page on my phone and one page on my laptop. Am I proud of this? Not necessarily, but it sure was good and juicy on that day. But yeah, just do the right thing. And I think Mm -hmm. that when it comes down to it, just do the right thing and watch your screen time because sometimes you just spend too much time on social media, whether it's following great pages, following for inspiration, following for support that you're looking for or whatever. Like I said, too much of anything just is not good. So make sure that you just monitor the time that you spend on social media and make sure that it's not interrupting quality time with your partner or with your friends or, you know, wherever you are. Like you say it, so many people get so comfortable performing for social media that we forget you do not have to live life behind the eye of a camera. I remember early on in capturing Leilani when she was born. I was just so proud of everything that she was doing, every step she was taking, gained her first tooth, lost her first tooth. I wanted to share it. And then it got to the point where I was looking at what other people were sharing of their children. And you know, these videos that we see and people are just capturing their children doing the most inane, hilarious, but also crazy things. I always wondered, how did they film this? My child is jumping off the top of the staircase with a Batman cape behind them. And they flip down the stairs, zip, 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 like Superman. And then their daddy was like, are you, have you lost your mind? Don't do that again. And I'm like, how did he capture that though? Like, do these people just have super reflexes? I felt like I was not a good parent because I didn't have a video camera taped to my head 24 seven, just to catch all of the neat things that happen as a parent. But at the same time, That is overwhelming. It feels overwhelming to share every single thing about your life on social media, to keep up and to, oh, they shared this relationship. They shared this status. Let me share this. It is not a competition. You're going to get to your finish line whenever you get to your finish line. And it's going to look different from the person that you were running beside and what you hope to accomplish at the end is just to be able to leave something behind for your family, for your 
friends, to make connections, to live life to the fullest. And I would hate to see all of these people that I follow and that follow me get to the end of their life and realize that what was truly the most important thing they missed out on because they wanted to capture every single thing and show the world what they were doing at any given moment, even if it was true or even if it was fake. Like you living your life to get likes and hearts and evoke some certain emotion from someone to validate yourself. And that's not what life is about. Stop being so open. You don't owe anyone anything about what's going on in your life. Like some of these people are waiting on you to fail. Some of them are cheering when they see you looking down. You get on here sharing your story, thinking that these people are here to celebrate your victory. And they're really here just to see what's going to happen on season two, episode three uh, of what's going on in your life. And when you invite those people in, they do feel like they have a seat at your table and they're open to anything that goes on. And I have been a person that my mom told me something about somebody Oh, yeah, I saw it on Facebook already. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel real accomplished, but why? Because you following their life and you got a footnote to what's going on at every given moment. And so, yes, at times I have to just clock out, take some time for yourself. Like you almost need to do a detox from social media at times because what you allow yourself to see and what you allow yourself to share can just be overwhelming to our minds. Our minds were not meant to see everything and know everything that's going on, not just with you and your responsibilities, but the people around you. Like if they reach out for support, that's one thing, but just to know what's going on at any given moment, that's too much for us to handle. And it's nothing that we can do. And control your exposure and rest. That's how you can prevent allowing social media to negatively impact your relationships and you, your mental and social well-being. That's just my take. Yeah, I think people lean on social media far too much. It just really takes away from our natural ability to communicate our feelings with others. I think my biggest pet peeve is when people send subliminal messages on their status to reach the other person who may or may not be reading the status. I guarantee you that that message will never get across the way you want it to when you do things like that. For one, it involves everyone who has nothing to do with whatever it is you and the other person is going through. It involves everyone in your business. And like you said, Caroline, you went and got your popcorn that day. When I see stuff like that, I get my popcorn and I'm in the comments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it does that. It puts everyone in your business. It sends off mixed signals to the people who are involved. And it further complicates whatever the issue is that you and another person might have. And I just really think that we need to get to a point where we are communicating with people now. If we have a problem with someone, be vocal about it. Call the person up, 
don't text them. That's another thing about uh, social media and electronics. You no, know, we text way too much. And the problem with texting and updating your status and things like that is that your tone and your intent can sometimes get lost because you might send a text message that had a very soft tone and you meant no harm by it. But the other person, because whatever y'all might be going through, might read it in a tone that is offensive and aggressive. And they may think that you coming at them sideways, you know? So there's nothing like an old fashioned conversation to get your point across and let someone know how you feel. And if I can say like a pet peeve that I have, that is one. It can be good entertainment, <laughs> but it's definitely a pet peeve of mine. Child, I've been getting in people comments like, I'm going to need you to add them. I'm going to need you to tag them in this post because we need to know who you're talking about. And sometimes that's how rumors start. Yes. Mm-hmm. The people mm-hmm. who is aimed at it, it gets lost in translation. And now multiple people think you're talking about them. And that's just the perspective and the take on it. So you are absolutely correct. You so big and bad. Mm -mm. Tag them. Right. They have behind Twitter fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So this has been another awesome episode of Close the Curtain Podcast. We thank you as always for listening to the very end. And I thank Caroline, thank Nalita for being two of the bombest (laughs) co-hosts ever. And this is what, our eighth episode? Yes. This is episode eight. So we are nearing a closure of our first season already. So we just want to thank everybody who has supported us, who has listened to us every week. Those of you who are checking in for the first time, we appreciate you for just hanging out with us. and. Meet us next Tuesday, same time, same place. Peace. Thank you for joining us this week on Close the Curtain Podcast with Nalita, Shalana, and Caroline. I hope you enjoyed this brief respite and that something we said inspired or motivated you to close the curtain on whatever is not for the season in which you find yourself in. If you're enjoying Close the Curtain, please rate the show, share it. These things allow more women access to the same wonderful content that you enjoy. If you have questions, comments, or you wanna suggest show topics, leave a message for us on our email hello at closethecurtain.com. Again, that's hello at closethecurtain.com. You can also stay connected with Close the Curtain Podcast on Instagram at our handle at Close the Curtain Podcast. Our website is www.closethecurtain.com. And our podcast can be enjoyed on the following platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor with more to come. This has been an awesome show. Don't forget to meet us next time at the intersection of pop culture and wellness. Bye.